It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Marbleheads out there, thank you so much for tuning in to us this week here at In the Marbles, episode 47. Couldn't be happier that you guys are here. I'm Matt Beamer. Unfortunately, Preston could not be here this week. However, I've got everything that you need to take care of right now. Uh, just before we get started here, keep Preston and his family in, his, in your thoughts and prayers. He's going through quite a bit right now with his wife and you know, I don't want to get into details right now, but let's just say that he's at this point, he's going to need your thoughts and prayers. So pray that everything goes fine for him and his wife and that his wife has no issues whatsoever and that he can come back to us here soon. But like I said, I'm Matt Beamer here along with myself here. I'm used to saying Preston Lude. Wish he'd be back here. We got a lot to cover here. Everything's going fine from this end. Uh, just Work, 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 counting down the days until the Southern 500 weekend here in Darlington. Coming up very soon. I can't wait to go there. I got my tickets. I'm still trying to figure out if I could go camping or not. It's just one of those things right now where Darlington Speedway doesn't know if they're going to have camping and stuff like that. But rest assured, I'll let you know. And if you're there in Darlington for the Southern 500, make sure to come find me. I'll be there, hopefully, with a few tag-alongs if we can get the whole thing. I guess Darlington Speedway is going through a social distancing thing. We're just trying to figure that out right now. One thing after another, just the world we live in right now. But we're going to hit the ground running, people. We're going to get into local, uh, racing news, and we'll talk about the big headlines here. All right, so the first big headline that I see right now is Eric Jones won't be renewing his contract at the end of 2020. We all kind of saw the writing on the wall Joe Gibbs stated in a statement that we appreciate all Eric has done for Joe Gibbs racing. He has joined us. He joins us as a teenager and has accomplished so much in his time here. And we re- remain focused on the remainder of the season. 
and and there's no surprise there that this has to come from the selling of Levine Family Racing, Eric Jones being booted out of that car to make way for Christopher Bell in that 20 car. And I could have seen that writing on the wall from a while ago. Christopher Bell is bred just to go into one place, and that was Joe Gibbs racing from the start of his Xfinity career all the way to now. This was just a filler, and unfortunately, Eric Jones is the one to go in that deal. Curious to see where Eric Jones will end up, and there's a lot of rumors flowing around. He may go to the 48 team there at Hendrick Motorsports. We don't you know anything yet here. We'll just have to wait and see. Silly season is in a big-time rumble here because we got another piece of news coming up here. Of course, this happened at the conclusion of last week's episode. Team Penske and Brad Keselowski renewing their contract for one year. Now, this takes away, obviously, one spot, and that is that coveted number two Penske Ford. And I'm curious to see where that will go. And this seems like a trend that I'm seeing a lot more teams and drivers taking one-year contracts in order to, I guess, maybe have flexibility of Maybe there's another seat opens up. What if Hendrick opens up and offers Kislowski a contract? Joe Gibbs. There's a lot of places and teams that I feel Brad will be good at. Right now, Team Penske is where it's at. He's doing very well there. Rent one New Hampshire here not too long ago. And curious to see where that will go here within the next year or so to see if Brad sticks with Penske or goes on with another team. Piece of news coming out of uh, Mo- uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. They're going to start using QR codes instead of actual paper tickets. I'm curious to see how that will last and how that will go because I'm going to be going to that race here in the fall, the night race at Bristol. So I'm going to let you guys know how that works out. I'm not really looking forward to that. I like having the actual ticket in my hand and not on the phone. As many of you know, I like to print it out and put it up in my diecast case. But unfortunately, right now, that is just not going to... I think that's the way of the future. Everything's going to be on your phone. And if you don't have that QR code and we do it for, I've done it for many sporting events in the past. It's not a big deal, but, and maybe Bristol will have a way where they could have paper tickets for sale, something like that in order for the future for fans who actually want that ticket for keepsakes. I keep it more for keepsakes and say I was there instead of having it on my phone. But that's a way that Bristol's going to be doing things here from now on. And I figure Charlotte We'll follow suit. Texas will follow suit. Kentucky might follow suit if this actually weren't, works out well, considering they're all with the same company. And a piece of news that I found very interesting here coming from Adam Stern. IMS and Formula One are in mutual levels of interest as far as bringing the Formula One series back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I think that would be great. Circuit of Americas is a great venue but I like the Indianapolis more so as far as the history of that track and the fact that Formula One's been there. I wouldn't even see, mind seeing Formula One back at Watkins Glen. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But if it has to go anywhere else in the in the United States besides the Circuit of Americas there in Austin, Texas, I hope it comes back there to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in that road course. I've enjoyed the road course. They had a great race there for the stock cars. In the past there, it's been a really fun venue as far as Formula One. Of course, that whole debacle in 2005 with the tires and three-quarters of the field park and didn't really help out issues there. But I think Pirelli being in there now instead of two tire manufacturers will fix that and see a good chance of it coming back. So it's up in the air. It's 50-50. I couldn't tell you which way, one way or another, if it's going to come back. I personally would like to have it come back to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 
And big announcement this week from NASCAR before the Michigan races. NASCAR will be bringing back the choose rule for all speedways with the exception of road courses and super speedways such as Daytona and Talladega. The choose rule, I think, made a really great showing there for all three, for both the trucks and the Cup Series. I thought it was very interesting to see what bare people could go. Get spotters telling their drivers, go to the low line, go to the high line. That helped drivers like Matt Benedetto secure a very good finish there. I think it's a great curveball to see in any race because then I think anybody who chooses that inside or outside line, wherever the preferred line, the opposite of the preferred line is, has a chance to maybe get up there and see where they could go from there. I'm curious to see where that will go. Well, that's all the news I have. We're going to go ahead and hit Formula One and the 70th anniversary Grand Prix there in Silverstone. All right, Max Verstappen, winner of the second Grand Prix from Silverstone, had a great run, really just earned it out of sheer just go out there and get it from the clutches of the Mercedes drivers of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Started fourth, worked his way up through the field, good pit stops, good pit calls, good car all day. Mercedes drivers had tire issues that prevented them from really capturing a silver moment, I believe, there in the 70th Grand Prix really in Lewis Hamilton's backyard. But I thought it was a great race, better than normally what I call Formula One races. Here's how I rated the race for the Formula One race. Memorability, five. Competitiveness, seven. Intensity, five. Unpredictability, six. Excitement, seven. Overall rating for the Silverstone Grand Prix, the British Grand Prix, of a six. I was quite happy with it. Here are my top five drivers from that race. We have Max Verstappen, who... Really made some good pit calls. His team made some great pit calls, and he was able to leapfrog both Mercedes drivers and take the victory. Lewis Hamilton, I, I gave him second. He's love him or hate him. He's a great driver, and you like. I, I he's one of those drivers I like pulling against. Valtteri Bottas, I gave third. All three drivers got scoring podiums there, and the Racing Point vehicles of Lance Stroll, Nico Hulkenberg, very good. Racing Point has come out of the box swinging at the start of the Formula One season. I'm looking forward to seeing what they'll do throughout the rest of the year as far as that team goes, but I'm, I'm quite impressed with Racing Point. They used to be kind of a field filler, in my opinion, a mid-pack team. Now they're up there scoring those top five, scoring those points that will go much needed into this year's Constructors' Championship and then payouts for that. So as far as the British Grand Prix goes, that was it. Max Verstappen wins. Great showing. One of the best races I've rated in a long time for Formula 1. Next race is going to be at Circa de Barcelona here on August 16th at 9, 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. And here's who I want to pick to watch out for for that race. You got Lewis Hamilton out of the past three years winning that race every time he's gone out there in the past three years. So average finish with first. Can't rule him out anywhere we go. Valtteri Bottas, average finish of seventh in that race with one DNF a few years ago. Max Verstappen, 8.3 average finish, but still Red Bull and those cells going into that season and into this season. And after that victory at Silverstone, you can't count him out. Sebastian Vettel, average finish of 3.3. This is where Sebastian Vettel, I feel, needs to come out and climb out. He's struggling this year for one reason or another, whether it be just he doesn't care about Ferrari anymore, and he doesn't. he's leaving that team at the end of the season. Either way, I feel like he needs to do something. 
to pull himself out of here and put himself into contention, at least to help the Constructors' Championship out at this point because you can't put it all on one driver in Charles Leclerc. You can't do that. And my last driver here, Daniel Ricciardo. He's going to be the dark horse there with an average finish of 6.7 in the past three years. I feel like he's coming around as well. Don't count him out. You can't really count out anybody there except if Lewis Hamilton's up front. The Spanish Grand Prix going to be, again, this Sunday, August 16th at 9.10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure to check that out. So we'll switch from Formula 1 and head into the race reviews of the Michigan races for Truck and Cup and the Road America race for the Xfinity Series. Green, green, green. If you were like me, you really, and you love racing and you enjoyed it, you really enjoyed the truck races last weekend here, there at the Michigan International Raceway. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the most fun races I've ever seen in a while. Very slow to develop, but once it got started getting down to the end, rack after rack, drivers who you thought were going to be in there for contention crashed themselves out. Johnny Sauter wrecked. Granny and Finger had issues there. And, and the final part of the race, and it was just chaos, and it was crazy. Zane Smith ended up winning, and he had such a good run. Started seventh, finished ninth in stage one, and ended up winning the race. He did a really good job all day. First win of the season. Congrats to Zane Smith. He's a championship contender. He's one of those silent but deadly ones. Guys you don't really talk about much during the season, and when, when it counts, he's there, and he's going for it. And I can't wait to see what he does in the in the playoffs for the truck series it's going to be fun to watch my second driver and and this was he was up there all day parker kligerman started 35th in stage two he finished ninth and he finished ninth overall in the race he was up there all day really solid performance by parker kligerman he was a very impressive driver to watch there tanner gray back on my top five again started 16th fifth in stage two Third overall in the race, did a really good job. And I think he's kind of one of those guys, too, you have to watch out for with a handful of races to go for that playoff spot. I think he's going to be up there contending for a championship at the end of the year. And if not, this is a good building block for him to go into the next year, 2021, and be able to compete better. Brett Moffitt is my fourth place driver that I picked out of the whole weekend. Started second, first in stage one, second in stage two, six overall in the race. Didn't really bring it all together, but Brad Moffitt is a championship contender through and through, and I think he's going to be, again, just like Tanner Gray, up there when it counts and getting those points that he needs to secure himself into a championship hunt. And Taylor Akram, he didn't make a lot of noise in stage one and two, finishing outside of the top ten, but fourth overall after starting 14th in the race. And my honorable mention here is Josh Rayum. We've had him on the show here. He's a great guy, great team owner. I love cheering for Rayum Brothers Racing. Started 29th and finished 17th, and it even led a lap there during the race. And that was great for him, great for that team. Here's how I rated the race for the Truck Series race. Memorability, 8. Competitiveness, 8. Intensity, 9. Unpredictability, 8. Excitement, 9. Overall, for the truck race from Michigan, 8.4. I thought it was a great race and one of the most exciting ones I've watched in a while there. But speaking of exciting, we go to the Xfinity Series in Road America. It was chaos, to say the least, to me. With the lightning coming in and then them putting on rain tires. Who's to say? Who says NASCAR doesn't race in the rain? Well, on road courses, they do. And it was proven there at Road America 
very good race. Not not the highest race I've rated. Road courses are hit or miss for me. If if I'm there, I think I enjoy it more naturally out of every other race. Like every other race fan, you want to be there at the track and witness the cars going around. But if you're watching it on TV, especially road course, it's not as much fun for me. But here are my top five from there. A.J. Allmendinger, though he didn't win the race, started 33rd. Didn't make much noise in stage one, finishing outside the top 10. Stage two, finished first and finished second overall in the race, coming from 33rd position up there. Andy Laley, who's a name I've never really heard of much throughout the course of this season, had an outstanding run, started 23rd, fifth in stage one, fifth in stage two, and fifth overall. Keep an eye out for that name coming up here at the Daytona Road Course. He might be a name that might be popping up again here in the future, especially at road course races. Third driver I picked, Ross Chastain, started 11th, 4th in Stage 1, 2nd in Stage 2, and 7th overall in the race. Great run again from Ross Chastain, who's a definite championship contender in the Xfinity Series. Fourth, can't take it away from him, Chase Briscoe, always up there winning counts. Started seventh, third in stage one, and third overall in the race to finish outside the top ten in stage two. But a championship contender through and through for the 2020 season there at the Stuart Haas Racing Xfinity car. And my fifth place driver started on the pole, Michael Arnett, seventh in stage one, ninth in stage two, and tenth overall. Still doing what he needs to do, getting those points quietly but surely in that Junior Motorsports number one car in order to put himself in the championship contention. My honorable mention, making his Xfinity Series debut there at Road America, Jesse Ibuji started 35th, finished 26th, did exactly what he wanted to do, get out there, run some laps, race clean, and learn the car. It's a brand-new car for him. Can't wait to see his name up there in the future. He's gonna. They're making some ways for Jesse Ibuji, and I'm glad we got, him, got, got to have him on the show and hopefully have him back here in the show before too long but congrats to everybody there here's how i rated the race for the xfinity race memorability eight competitiveness eight intensity seven unpredictability six excitement seven and with an overall rating of the xfinity race from road america of a 7.2 not the highest type rating it like i said road courses are hit and miss especially on tv for me but i thought it was an overall great race and I hope you guys did too. Yeah, it was just fun watching them race in the rain. It was really a lot of fun. And again, who's to say NASCAR doesn't race in the rain because they sure proved everybody wrong who said that at Road America. And before we get into the Cup Series reviewing of the Michigan races, we got the Xfinity race racing at the Daytona Road Course here on August 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC Sports. And here's who I have to watch out for. It's It's... One of those things, it's it's a new track for them. If they haven't raced there before, like at the 24 hours of Daytona, they're not really going to know what's going to happen. But thanks to simulations such as iRacing and their manufacturer simulations, I think they're going to have a pretty good grip on there. I have yet to be disappointed. This is going to probably be one of the few races I'm going to watch and, and enjoy immensely flag to flag on a road course because there is it is going to be new. There are There is going to be a lot of moving parts, and who's going to know what's going to happen when they go into turn one for the first time with no practice or qualifying. But here's who to watch out for. Now, the way I compiled these stats is based on the last X amount of races. I tried to do six, but a lot of drivers in Xfinity don't have 
that many races under their belts. Like AJ Allmendinger has four races, four, four road course races. I should be more specific on that with an average finish of 11th with a win coming in last year's Roval. So he knows how to get around the road courses. And I think AJ Allmendinger is going to be the top guy to watch out for. Except for this guy, if this guy doesn't come and rain on the party, Chase Briscoe, average finish of 4.5 on road courses over the past six races. I think he's going to do just fine here. But then, again, this guy might ruin the party for both of those guys. Austin Sindrick, average finish of 2.5 on road courses in the past six starts. You got to watch out for Austin Sindrick. He won there at Road America. He knows how to get around there. Justin Allgaier, average finish of 11.3. And Noah Gregson only ran five road course races that I saw with an average finish of 5.4. He's one to watch out for coming up here again, or this Saturday, August 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC Sports for the first ever Xfinity road course race there at Daytona. Going into Cup, and this is going to be a lot of fun for me because I enjoyed both races immensely, even though Harvick, dominated both of them i think that goes to show that kevin harvick is a true championship contender here this year in 2020 you can't take it away from him he dominated dominated both races here's my top five from the first cup race kevin harvick started third sweeping the stages and winning the races he was up there all day he did exactly what he needed to do in order to win that denny hamlin started second Second in stage one, third in stage two, and six overall in the race. It was a crazy finish to the race, and here in that spot, another championship contender up there. Here's one that I was keeping an eye on, but didn't expect to win, but I'm glad to see him finish where he did. Bubba Wallace started 24th and finished ninth overall in the race. Brad Keselowski started fifth, fifth in stage one, fifth in stage two, and second in the race. History didn't repeat itself. He... Got a little crazy there in the second race and took out his teammate Ryan Blaney there going coming out of turn two, and that was unfortunate. But when he's going for something, he's going for something, and his trackers are records. He's already locked into the playoffs. Why not? Just gamble for it. And the innocent bystander in that is going to be my fifth-place driver from the first race is Ryan Blaney. Started 11th, third in stage one, second in stage two, and fourth overall. Getting taken out in the, in the wreck by Brad Keselowski in that Second race there at Michigan. Here's how I rated the first Michigan race. Memorability, 8. Competitiveness, 7. Intensity, 7. Unpredictability, 6. Excitement, 8. With an overall rating for the first cup race of Mich- from Michigan, 7.2. Solid race all day for those guys. And I thought the second race was better than the first race. They inverted the top 20, so Kevin Harvick finished is now going to start 20th in the second race, and Clint Boyer started from the pool and looked like he was going to be on a rail when he was going to be tough to beat. Kevin Harvick found his rhythm again, won the race. Kevin Harvick's my first-place driver in there, starting 20th, 8th in Stage 1, 1st in Stage 2, and 1st overall in the race. you got to beat Harvick in order to win this year, it looks like. Second-place driver's Christopher Bell started 8th, Second in stage one, fourth in stage two, had a little spin there, which pretty much lost him the rest of the momentum he had left in the day. Finished 17th, but he was up there. He's still learning, and he's going to do wonders, I think, at Joe Gibbs Racing here in 2021. Third place driver I picked, Austin Dillon, started 31st and finished 8th overall. Didn't even finish in the top 10 in stage one and two, but Austin Dillon doing what he needs to do in order to secure more points for that 
playoff position. He needs a little more, I think, championship points in order or playoff points in order to go in there. But I think he's showing that he's possibly a championship contender. We're going to find out here after Daytona and break that all down for you in future episodes. Matt DiBenedetto was my fourth-place driver. Started sixth, fourth in stage one, and seventh overall in the race. Again, keeping those points here, he has he's not locked into the championship playoff hunt, but I think he will lock himself in with points if he continues doing what he's doing. Four races to go in the playoff hunt. We got the Daytona Road Course, two Dover races, and the Coke Zero 400 there, the Oval for Daytona. Can't wait to see what happens there. I think Matt Benedetto locks himself in in points, but... A lot of wild cards coming up here. Fifth place driver is going to be Eric Almirola. Started fifth, eighth in stage two, and six overall in the race. Again, another guy hoping to get himself in on points, and I think he will here by the end of the regular season with four races to go. Here's how I rated the race for race two for the Michigan Cup race. Memorability, nine. Competitiveness, eight. Intensity, eight. Unpredictability, six. And Excitement 7 with their overall rating for the second race. Just a smidge higher than the first of a 7.6. But I think that's good enough to really propel us forward into the Daytona road course where anything could happen. Again, how I picked these drivers, the last six road courses as far as Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and the Roval. The next race is going to be August 16th at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on NBC Sports. And here's who I got for my top five, who to watch out for for that cup race. Kevin Harvick, average finish is 6.2 on road courses. He's always a threat, especially this season. Denny Hamlin, another threat, average finish is 10.6 on road courses in the past six races. Chase Elliott, who I think is one of those dark horses to come in and steal the show at the Daytona Road course, it was an average finish of 8.3. A couple Watkins Glen wins and a Roval win thrown in there. Brack Kozlowski, an average finish of 15.5, but still knows how to get his way around road courses. I feel like unless he drives into a barrier going into turn one again, I think he might have a shot at winning that or at least finishing in the top five. And Martin Truex Jr., who you wouldn't think much of a road course runner, average finish of a 4.5 in this past six road course races with a couple wins there at Sonoma. So watch out for Martin Truex Jr. Almost won the first roll if Jimmy Johnson didn't take him out. But I think that's going to be a very fun race to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I wonder if I hope you guys are too. I wish we could be going there. I, I tried to maybe finagle it to go, but it didn't really work out that way. It's okay. Maybe next year. What we're going to do now is uh, wrap up NASCAR and give you all my predictions. Curious to see what you guys predict who might win the first road course races there for the Cup and Xfinity. No truck race this week. That's unfortunate. I really like it. Next time they'll be back in action is for the Daytona Speedway here in the next few weeks, along with the Xfinity Cup for that Roval, for the Roval, for the Oval race of the Daytona International Speedway. But right now I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap up NASCAR and get into a very special movie review that I've been looking forward to showing you guys and telling you guys about since I saw it. All right, our movie review this week here at In the Marvels is something I came across on YouTube and didn't even really think of much of it. I've never heard of this guy. The, uh, the creator of this vehicle, name is Brock Beard, and the, and the video is called 3 Before February. 
And it's a NASCAR documentary covering the deaths of Adam Penny, Kenny Oren Jr., and Tony Roper in the 2000 season. And, and what I like about this is that it Brad was very thorough in his stats and his starts and how every one of these drivers culminated into each other and how they were really just intertwined with each other. And the first death coming with Adam Petty at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway and then following shortly after that, Kenny Irwin Jr. at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway both died very tragic deaths with a basilar skull fracture and then Tony Roper at the Charlotte Motor Speedway of the same injury. And really what brad was going for here is that why these safety issues and these basilar skull fractures weren't addressed until after the death of dale earnhardt and we've talked about this on the show i think it was our first giveaway episode 18 if you want to go back and hear our thoughts on that but in i'm not trying to take away from the death of dale earnhardt what came in the wake of his death with the soft walls, the safer cars, the head and neck restraints, the mandatory head and neck restraints, the full face helmets, all great innovations. And thankfully in NASCAR, we haven't had a death since Dale Earnhardt. It just kind of goes to show like how everything was tied in. And it took these three guys and really took four people to die within a span of a year in order for big changes to be made in safety in NASCAR to ensure that this will never happen again. And it's just one of those things where I I thought it was a well-put-together documentary, great use of stats and many clips, race-used clips of all three drivers, Kenny Irwin Jr., Adam Petty, and Tony Roper is just well-put-together. I'll make sure to put a link up for it on our Facebook page and on our Twitter at Marbles In for you guys to check it out. I, I highly recommend it. It's a great documentary, and for that, I will give it five lug nuts. Again, a great documentary. Check it out. Three days, three before February by Brock Beard. They're on YouTube. Make sure to check it out. It's totally worth the hour and 27 minutes of your time. Well put together, and, and he has many more documentaries up there, one in particular about the um, retirement season of Daryl Waltrip, which was another fine documentary, but this went three before February. You can't go wrong with that. Again, I'll link it up there for you guys. And guys, I know this is kind of a fast episode with Preston being gone, doing what he needs to do to take care of his family. And we hope for a speedy recovery back here next week. We're going to go ahead and get into our final thoughts, our driver of the week this week in NASCAR, and our fantasy standings at NASCAR.com's Fantasy in the Marbles 2.0. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go, one lap right here. All right, our final thoughts here of the show. Um, Again, missing Preston here. It's just it's not the same without him. Hope you guys are just enjoying sitting there and listening to me talk about racing and what I thought of the last races and going forward to this races at Daytona and Circa de Blas Barcelona for Formula One. And we're just gonna go ahead and hop into it. Our in the Marbles 2.0 standings for that hundred dollar Amazon gift card that we're handing out at the end of the season, hopefully to a lucky fan. If not, it's gonna be two hundred dollars next year. Looking at the standings here, SMR R&D has 3,706 points. I'm in second place with 3,585 points. Beamer on the Beamer, who dominated all year, but is now struggling a little mid-season, mid-season woes, I would say, for him, has 3,583 points. Meep Meep in fourth with 3,377 points. S-Blades 
3,328 points, is in fifth. SMR Operations, which I 100% believe is Preston, has 3,205 points. Crunchy Enterprises in seventh with 2,983 points. 43 and Me, 2,839 points. Jaywalk of Flocka, 1,876 points. Wiregrass Racing with 1,607 points. And BK Racing, 57 with 1,548 points. Unfortunately, I want to say from 7th on down, kind of mathematically out of it in my opinion, but anything could happen. I think the top six are still more than in it, including myself and Preston. I'm just curious to see how Russ will play out here in the next coming weeks. All right, now that we're done wrapping up fantasy here in NASCAR, we're going to go ahead and hit our driver of the week. And our driver of the week this week here in the Marvels is Benny Parsons, born July 12th, 1941 in North Carolina, passed away January 16th, 2007 in Charlotte, North Carolina due to complications from lung cancer. Has an outstanding cup career, one of the top 50 drivers in NASCAR Cup Series history with one championship in 1973, 21 wins, 283 top 10s, 20 pulls. His first race coming in Weaverville in 1964. His last race coming in 1988 at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. First win at the, at the South Boston Speedway in 1971. And his last win in the 1984 Coca-Cola 600. 1973 Winston Cup champion. 1968 ARCA's champion. As well as 1969 ARCA champion. 1975 Daytona 500 winner. 1980 Coca-Cola 600. 1982 pole sitter for the Daytona 500. Rookie of the Year in ARCA, 1965, 2017 NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee, 1996 ESPN Emmy Award. Benny Parsons, your driver of the week this week here at In the Marvels. And for our this week in NASCAR, we go back to August 8th, 1976. Dave Marcus claims his first win on a super speedway in the Talladega 500. Marcus finds himself in the catbird seat, and Buddy Baker has to pit with fuel with three laps to go. And that is your This Week in NASCAR. And again, folks, this is kind of one of those weird episodes where Preston isn't here, unfortunately, due to dealing with his family. Remember, keep his family in your thoughts and prayers as we go forward. And once he comes back, I'm sure he'll tell you everything that he wants to tell you about that situation. Again, a short and sweet episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I know I enjoy bringing this weekly podcast to you guys. I really enjoy doing this. I have a, such a passion for racing. And I hope you guys enjoy all the races for the Xfinity Cup and the Formula One race this weekend. I can't wait to see them. It's going to be a lot of fun. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in to us this week here at In The Marvels for our short and sweet episode. Again, keep pressing in your thoughts and prayers as we move along. And make sure to follow In The Marvels on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And shoot us a comment whenever you guys want to feel free to talk about anything racing. For Preston Mood, who is not here, I am Matt Beamer. Thank you so much for again for listening. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week.